All right. Well, welcome on my next guest. We've got arguably the greatest offensive lineman the NFL has ever seen. Longtime Cincinnati Bengal Pro Football Hall of Fame, Anthony Munoz. Anthony, how's everything doing? Great. How are you doing today? I'm Thanks doing for me. Absolutely. Glad, glad you have the time. Yeah. Um, honestly, we're just waiting, waiting for football season. That's all, that's all we really can do. Like, that's right, Zach. I'm, I'm ready to get the camp going. I'm ready to, you know, they've been talking about eliminating a little bit preseason. I'm not sad by that. So I'm just ready to see some football. Yeah. Now, I've been watching Korean baseball, but it's on late. And, like, I'm like, all right, Sundays, you got nothing <laughs> exactly. going on. I'm like, where we get 60 minutes. That's it. There's nothing else going on. So, yeah, yeah. now. It's wild. It's wild. No, but but what what kind of how have you been keeping busy during the all this pandemic stuff going on? Uh, a lot, a lot uh, going on. You know, I still have uh, trying to figure out stuff with. I got a couple small companies. I got a foundation that we're trying to, you know, reschedule, uh, reinvent. I guess uh, a lot of events going from live to virtual. Uh, an old guy like myself learning, you know, Zoom as we're doing today. Learning. Uh, I've do, been doing videos. I've been uh, getting a lot of different uh, technology down. Uh, and it's been very helpful. Uh, besides that, hanging out with my wife and just uh, getting through this, playing a little bit of golf. I've made a, a one, two little uh, golf trips and then trying oh. to get out and play some golf. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been tough early on, but uh, lately getting back to the office and uh, really get, trying to get things rolling, uh, spending some time with grandkids, my wife. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm one that uh, always tries to find something to keep me busy. Definitely, yeah, because, like, you got to have something going on. Like, oh, there's, exactly. there's just so much nothing right now. And this, right now is a perfect excuse for people to not do anything. They have an opportunity, but for some people, like, you can't. Like, you got to. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful, Zach, that, uh, you know, every house that I've had, I've had a weight room, a, a fitness center. So, cool. you know, for me to go downstairs, spend an hour and a half, two hours, and just get away from everything yeah. and, uh, and work out, you know, for an old guy, I got to keep moving, keep my body moving, keep the aches and pains away. Uh, so that's been a saver. I mean, you know, because a lot of people have complained that all the gyms have been yeah. closed. And I, I understand that. I think if I didn't have a gym, I think it would be a lot tougher uh, not being able to work out. I don't run anymore, so I couldn't uh, maybe yard work, which I'm doing a lot of. But, yeah. uh, you know, going down and doing a lot of cardio, doing a lot of lightweight stuff, bodyweight stuff, that's been, a, that's been really good for me. Yeah, I see some of the gyms are doing some stuff like they're doing like spin cap, spin classes. Right. They're bringing the stuff outside. But I got like an email like last week, like Planet Fitness. They're like, oh, yeah, we're reopening. And I'm like what I'm like, <laughs> exactly yeah i'm like i guess i gotta call them i keep, I keep, I keep putting it off yeah, but yeah so speaking of your um your early early career so how did you end up at usc well you know uh, growing up 40 miles from the campus i grew up in ontario california oh. about 40 miles east of la of course you know very involved in athletics and then of course usc always had that national tv game on you know back in the day uh, you're much younger uh, there was an announcer, Keith Jackson, who we just oh, lost yeah. not too long ago. So you knew if you played on Saturday, Keith Jackson was announcing your college game. You were one of two, three games, and that was it. So I got to watch a lot of USC football when I was growing up. And that was a dream of mine, to go to school and to go to play football at USC. So when they um, started to recruit me, man, it was pretty much a done deal. It was like Cardinal and Gold, Trojan, the big white horse. I'm there. So, you know, back in the 70s when I came out of high school – USC was, you know, winning national championships and going to Rose Bowls and, you know, all Americans, Heisman Trophy winners and pumping out number one picks. And as a high school kid, man, I wanted to be, I wanted to be one of those guys. I wanted to experience that. So that's why I went to USC. Do you think USC has lost some of the glory it used to have now? Because now it's, it's like we, we don't, we don't, all we talk is SEC. You know what? I think it has, but I think it hasn't. You talk to people and 
you know, talk to some coaches that have been in the coaching uh, business for a lot of years. They still refer to USC as, if not the, probably one of the top uh, most de desirable head coaching jobs. Yeah. So that speaks volumes. I, I know they've been through a lot, uh, you know, since uh, the Pete Carroll days. Uh, hopefully, you know, things are rolling back around. I've been uh, watching closely the recruiting uh, the recruiting progress, and it seems to be getting much better. You know, the whole Reggie Bush thing getting put on probation. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. You know, one guy uh, dealing with not even a, a USC alumni, it was pretty much a death penalty. And, you know, I'm, you know, it was sad to see that happen, but it's taken a while to bounce back from that. And all the other schools, you know, there's so many great universities now. So recruiting has become really tough. Man, there was a day when USC used to lock down California and then go out and get whoever they wanted around the country. And, and that doesn't happen now. Hopefully we can get back to that. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I've been out 40 years now from USC. To me, it's still the best university in the country. Uh, and I still love the place. Uh, we, the guys that played there went to school there feel, uh, feel the same way. We just wanted to get back to where it should be. Yeah. And that's in the top 10 every year. Uh, hopefully in the top five every year. That's where Absolutely. USC should be. Absolutely. And then so is it true you, play, you played baseball too in addition to football? I did. Uh, that was the one thing. Baseball was my first love growing up as a kid. And I was going to be a major league baseball player. That was my childhood oh. dream. So when I started to get recruited for football, I wanted to make sure if, if I could that they would allow me to play baseball. Of course, USC had a track record of letting guys play baseball, even on a football scholarship. And, uh, you know, I saw State three years in, in high school, baseball, oh. third baseman. And because they had the track record they right away they said you can play baseball here the only rule was your freshman year you have to go through spring practice after that you're free to play baseball in the spring so I went there with that agreement of course uh, a lot of times when you plan things out they don't necessarily happen the way you plan them and of course that was my four years at USC I only played one year of baseball one full healthy season of football I had three knee operations in four years all those things I shared with you about wanting to experience yeah. at USC uh, most of that didn't happen because of, of injuries. You know, in high school, I played football, basketball, and baseball for four years. I went from sport to sport to sport, and I, I rarely missed a game because of injury. Now, in my four years at USC, I had three knee operations. Freshman year, missed. You know, I, I got hurt seven games in the season. Junior year, seven games in the season, and then my senior year was the very first game of the season. Second time we had the football, I missed the entire season. Wow. So, uh, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because it taught me a lot about myself, how we can push ourselves beyond adversity and setbacks. And uh, really, I believe those four years at USC really built into me what I needed to know, not only as an adult, but uh, in the NFL as the Bengals took a chance after only playing one game my senior year. Like I mentioned, got hurt second time we had the football, my first game. I rehabbed after surgery and played the entire Rose Bowl game four months after my surgery. So uh, that helped out. And it, like I said, growing up in a, in a single-parent home, my mom worked two, three jobs, taught us work ethic, responsibility. And then going through that adversity in college, I think it really set the table for me to work. You know, really, guys thought I was nuts the way I was pushing it to get back for that game. I knew we would win again because my junior year, we won the national championship. We had a lot of the same guys back. Uh, so I was determined. I got the okay from the doctor and the head coach, and I was back January 1st playing in the Rose Bowl. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, like I said, you plan things. Yeah. Things might not happen the way you plan them, but you have to just keep busting your tail and know that things are going to work out, and uh, they worked out. I think that's just a good mantra for life. This is not just football. Yeah. Just the, exactly. You plan everything, exactly. something's out of your control. Yeah. So that's, that's why. And so what was your draft process like? Because you were a little bit banged up. and the, how, how did that go about? Well, it was uncertain. I mean, a lot of uncertainty. You know, I go into that senior year, 
uh, having played a lot of games my junior year, but getting hurt for the second time. Uh, I was healthy. I was ready for that senior year, probably in the best shape ever, as strong as ever, running, lifting, getting ready. And before the season, I was projected. A lot of the projections were top five pick. Of course, after I got hurt, it was maybe a free agent, maybe not even getting a free agent shot. You know, wow. maybe that was it. And after that Rose Bowl, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I just I wanted to make sure that physically I was ready. I went through all the combine stuff. Uh, and I, I felt if I didn't get a chance in the NFL, it wasn't going to be because I wasn't uh, physically back. I wasn't physically ready. And uh, so really a lot of uncertainty, like I said, the draft rolled around, you know, four months after I played that Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, we were married. My wife and I had been married about two and a half years. There's like three other guys that were married. We're living in the same one-bedroom apartment complex. We're all anxious, waiting to see what was happening. Uh, the other guys knew that they'd probably be drafted, uh, but I didn't know. So uh, we're waiting to see what happened. And, uh, you know, really all I wanted, even if it was as a free agent, I wanted a chance to go to an NFL camp and see if I could compete on that level. Of course, uh, shortly after the draft started with the third pick in the entire draft, the Bengals select me, man. I was uh, blown away. My wife and I were, you know, if you want to see a big six foot six, 300 pound guy cry, that was that morning uh, when I was weeping, tears of joy and happiness. And then after we, it kind of, the dust kind of cleared, I said to my wife, you know, we're going to Cincinnati. And she looked at me and said, Where's Cincinnati? <laughs> and I said, Well, we better find out. I didn't know where Cincinnati was either. I wasn't a real strong in geography. I hadn't left California other than playing, you know, college yeah. games. Uh, you know, it's home now. We know exactly where Cincinnati is. We've been here a long time. That's we awesome. made it home after our playing career, and we both fell in love with it, both raised in Southern California. So uh, that's how it was. And, again, a lot – that was, you know, people were talking about, you know, the, the, the draft being virtual this year, not in person. And, you know, that's basically what we went through. You know, yeah. My year was the first year that ESPN covered the draft. But they weren't flying guys to New York. They didn't have analysts with videos on different guys. But it was the first year they covered it, and uh, it was just uh, in your apartment waiting for a call, you know. And uh, so uh, that's that was the excitement of the draft. But uh, after I got that call, really shortly after the draft started, man, it was, okay, I'm getting this opportunity. It's time to turn the volume up now in preparation. And uh, from, you know, not that I wasn't busting it before them because even after the, the Rose Bowl for those four months leading up to the, the draft, I mean, I just turned the volume up and, I knew that I had to be ready regardless of what was going to happen. So now I, I had a camp I could go to. Uh, that's uh, Yeah. And, and then I'm getting ready. I have a question. What were they saying after you got drafted? Because if it was, it was on television, what, what were the people saying? Well, I'm sure a lot of the fans in Cincinnati were scratching their head thinking, boy, this, uh, this organization has lost their mind. They're drafting <laughs> a guy that hadn't played a whole lot of college games. Can he make it through a year? Uh, you know, there was a lot of doubt. I mean, I remember doing a talk show. Uh, the host was from Cincinnati, and I had a room. My freshman roommate at USC was taken in the 11th pick for the Chiefs uh, as a guard. So there was two of us in the top 15 pick. And I'll never forget doing a talk show uh, here locally in Cincinnati after the draft. And the, and the talk show host was questioning the draft pick. He thought that the Bengals had made a mistake by drafting me and not my uh, – my teammate. And so, yeah, there was a lot of uh, uncertainty and, and rightly so. I mean, for a kid that played one game, you know, his senior year after going through three knee operations, uh, I think they, uh, it was justified with a lot of questions, but so that added to the incentive, the motivation of, okay, now I had to come here and prove that uh, the Bengals made the right choice that I could last a year, a full season. And of course uh, I didn't miss my first game until my 11th year. So uh, it was uh, 
you know, I dislocated elbow. I had to miss a game or two. But prior to that, I was there every Sunday playing every game. Uh, so, you know, that was an incentive. The, the personal goals kind of took over. Your team goals of making the playoffs, you know, getting to the Super Bowl. But then the personal goals, you know, coming into camp, earning that starting job. I wanted to play 10-plus years. I wanted to start every year. Every time I put the uniform, I wasn't going to be happy with just being a member of the team. I wanted to start. I wanted to make the Pro Bowl every year. I wanted to be considered. You know, so those were all the personal goals. So during the season, I worked towards that. The offseason was probably more important because it's my weight training, my conditioning, studying tape, and working on my technique. So it was a 12-month-a-year deal for me that uh, I wanted to make sure that my performance was high my rookie year and even higher my eighth, ninth, tenth year. And that was my whole approach that I took. Did that TV host ever call you back and say, hey, my bad? <laughs> you know what? I became really close friends with them. And to this day, we're, we're great friends. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, he was – We've been able to, to go out and speak a, a few times together and share that story. And he says, you know what? I was wrong. I apologize. But, you know, we joke about it. And uh, like I said, he's a great friend. And uh, I don't remind him too often. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because I feel like Cincinnati is a little bit different than Southern California. <laughs> Just a little bit. You know, uh, late October, my rookie year, I walk into the locker room and we have thermal underwear in our locker. And I'm going, okay, what is this for? Never had thermals in Southern California. Well, this is a, a snow, you know, some snow attire. You need snowshoes and regular shoes. And I'm thinking, wait, we got here. My wife and I had to buy her some winter coats. We, you know, I think I had maybe a windbreaker, you know, wow. and a, a sweatshirt. So, uh, but you know what? Fell in love with it right away. I, I didn't mind the winters. I still don't mind the winters. Uh, you know, I don't mind putting on a nice uh, coat and a, a, and a you know, beanie cap and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was a little different. Uh, hard to find good Mexican food. You know, my, my family's from Mexico. My mom. Uh, made, you know, home run type of, you know, homemade flour tortillas. It was hard to find that when I first got here. Uh, I would pray every year that we had some West Coast games because I knew on the way home my whole my whole duffel bag would be filled with uh, frozen Mexican food as I'd bring it home. The only problem, I had to, I had to hide it from my teammates because they knew that I, I would bring that on board. And uh, so I, I put a stash on the top of my bag for them and a stash on the bottom that I'd bring home for my family. And you know, uh, we didn't eat very many meal planes on the way home from West Coast games because there was a lot of great Mexican food being heated up on the plane. So, it, yeah, it was different, but, you know, it's grown. The Hispanic community's grown here. Cool. can find some pretty good Mexican food, and uh, this is home, man. This is a great place. How, how soon into your career did you find, like, a good, a good Mexican restaurant that you were like, okay, I'm going here again? Uh, it, it was a few years. It was a few years, you know. Uh, I'm sure people like Taco Bell, and uh, but you know, that's uh, that's uh, there's some families that started to move here from Mexico and different oh. uh, Latin America, you know, countries and uh, stuff like that, and started to build some stuff. So I'd say it's probably a good ten years before there was really, really authentic, good Mexican food. And now uh, you can drive all over and find little places uh, in you know a lot of the food's pretty good. So uh, I just got to make sure that I kind of divide my time up equally amongst them all. Cause you know, where you been, you've been at the other places and stuff, but no, it's uh, it's gotten pretty good here. That's awesome. And then was there an adjustment period for you before, before your rookie season started? Was there like an adjustment period for you to kind of get accustomed to the NFL game or was it pretty easy for you? Well, I'd say, I wouldn't say only prior to my, my rookie. I think it was during the whole rookie year. It was like, welcome to the NFL. You know, the first uh, two of the first five weeks I had a chance to play against uh, Leroy Selman. Wow. Uh, Sadly enough, we lost at a young age, yeah. but he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He played right defensive end for the Buccaneers. I played against him in the preseason, and then we opened up the season. Uh, Sherman Smith, you know, uh, uh, 
from the Buffalo Bills, who actually played his early career with the Bengals. Uh, oh, cool. I mean, there was a lot of guys, Cedric Hartman, who was uh, towards the end of his career, Elvin Bethea. So it was kind of like, okay, I got to be able to, to, you know, forget things quickly, you know, have a short memory during games. And uh, these guys were amazing. Even late in their career, they were still unbelievable, which is obvious by their uh, Hall of Fame induction. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it took me a while. And even, uh, you know, even after your first year, you're still making adjustments and uh, still learning, still making, uh, you know, tweaks here and there. But that rookie year was like, okay, uh, you think you're big stuff. Uh, don't think that you're too big because, uh, you know, here you are 21, 22 too, and you're playing against guys that are 28, 29, not only physically yeah. the top of their game, but uh, they've got that experience on you. And uh, so they, they know what's going on a little better than uh, what you do. So, but it was fun. That's what, I loved, uh, that's what I loved about the game. You know, year one, even year 12, 13, I was still learning, still making adjustments. So uh, it, uh, it was a great experience. Who's the toughest person you've ever had to block? Uh, well, uh, there's a lot of them. Playing left tackle for 13 years in the NFL. But probably the, I could probably give you 10, 11 names, but the, I always say that the, the one guy that was the total package, played against him probably five, six times, had to be Bruce Smith for the Buffalo Interesting. Bulls. Guy was amazing. You know, size, speed, strength, smart, quickness. You know, people hear speed and quickness. Think, Isn't that the same thing? No. There's quickness and there's speed. Uh, he was so talented, they could cock him inside over the nose, and he was a natural defensive end. But uh, he's probably the best that I ever played against. You know, I mentioned Leroy Selman, Fred Dean. You know, this, I can go on and on name guys, but uh, definitely Bruce Smith. What about like Reggie White? Was he was something, something Well, else? you know, Reggie White's probably the best I ever watched. Uh, unfortunate, uh, fortunate for me, unfortunate. <laughs> he was on the other side. Yeah. He played left defensive end against our right tackle. Uh, but uh, I did see him a couple of times in the Pro Bowl. I had to play a little right tackle, and I'm thinking, okay, this would have been a long afternoon. This would have yeah. been uh, – you know, if I had to play him an entire game during the regular season, this would have taken every ounce, every technique, every, you know, bit of experience because he was amazing. Yeah. And as I understand that you, you implemented a very rigorous, rigorous workout routine very early on in your career at home. What, what, what prompted you to do that? And then what was it like? Well, I think a lot of it came from the injuries I had in college, you know, being able to get back quickly for that senior year Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, I took up running, jogging, running. Of course, weightlifting, I, I you know, really started to pound it uh, my junior, senior in college. Uh, so that was something that carried over, getting ready for my, uh, my rookie year in the NFL. I just started running. I mean, distance is something, you know, for a big lineman, which rare. Right? Mm -hmm. I'd run two, sometimes four miles a day. Uh, and then I'd incorporate sprints and do football technique. And that, that happened my, through my whole career. I mean, uh, from like the last game of the season in the NFL till probably, I don't know, Early April, late April, I'd do distance. I probably ran five, six miles every day. Oh, wow. And once I got ready, close to mini camp, I would start incorporating interval training, sprints. But even during the season, uh, Monday, we would come in and lift weights and, you know, watch our tape and, you know, lift. And, and I would run two, three miles on Monday. And then Tuesday, I'd come in, which was a day off. I'd do some more weightlifting, lift, run a little more distance. And then practice hard Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And even Friday at lunch, I would do more weight training and do a little, you know, not as much distance, but a little bit. And that would give me all day Friday afternoon and then all day Saturday to get ready for the game. And that was a, pretty much a routine I had year round. And uh, it was one of those things and, that I continued to do not only during my 13 years, but even now that I've been retired forever, uh, you know, working out is something that I love to do. Would you kind of scale it back a little bit after the season to take a little bit of break or you just could just... No, I was um, – I might take one day off, two days off, because for me, I felt that I had, I had raised my conditioning so high, week 16, maybe playoffs, 
uh, why take a month off and lose it all? And then you'd have to ramp back up. You know, I would just start hitting it again uh, one or two days after my last game. Uh, maybe it's because I didn't like the, the feeling of your body once you lose some of that condition and you're working back. Yeah. So I would just hit it. Now, my thing was uh, for 13 years, it was year-round. I, You know, I was probably in better cardio shape uh, during the offseason than I was during the season. Interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it was just uh, pretty much a 12-month deal for me. And it was pretty cool for me. Um, you know, I, I was at a golf tournament in uh, – in, uh, in, in, in Florida. And I met uh, the two brothers, they played uh, center one for the, uh, for the uh, Steelers and one for the Chargers. And they played Miami and uh, played, they paid one of the highest compliments. You know, they were like two, three years into the league. And I went over to introduce myself and they got up out of their carts and came over and wanted to meet me. And one of the first things they said is that they had implemented the workout uh, training uh, regimen that I had talked about when I was playing. And they said, we, neither one of us take maybe a day off after the regular season and we get back into running and lifting. They said, if it, if it worked for you, we had to do it. So that was really a compliment as far as conditioning. Uh, and they, they continue to do that. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's just what I did. I felt that I, I, once I got to camp, I didn't have to worry about my conditioning. I could focus on strategy. I could focus on technique. And what I had to do as an offensive lineman, and I really never worried about my conditioning because I – I could uh, practice all day long and felt pretty good. What percentage of guys nowadays do you think show up to camp out of shape? You know, it's hard to say because I'm not around the game that, uh, that much. I know that, you know, they have the OTAs around the facility a, a little more. So, uh, you know, I would hope that I, I could say that uh, maybe a smaller percentage uh, show up to camp not out of shape. But I really don't know because I'm not around that part of the game. You know, I, I don't start really getting around it until I get into the, the you know, preseason games because I do the preseason games on TV for the Bengals. But like I said, I would hope that the percentage is very low because what's going on. Unlike this year with COVID-19, they're usually around doing quite a bit in the off season. I have a question. What would it, when you first glance at a, like a, 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 tack, a tackle or a guard prospect the first time, how quickly can you tell, okay, this guy's got it? Well, I think, um, you know, early on in my career, probably midway, I could tell, um, you know, you, you look at the, the intangibles, you look at flexibility, you look at foot speed, you look at how they use their hands. And of course, some of the, you look at attitude. You can tell attitude when you see guys, you know. when I, The first time I watched Quentin Nelson with the, the Colts, I said, he's got an attitude. I mean, a guy, I don't think he likes anybody, especially defensive linemen. But you can see it. I mean, you can see the way they move. You can see their work ethic. Uh, you can see how they're not satisfied with what they're doing. Um, so yeah, that's the fun thing for me now is to watch guys in college. Uh, and then once they get in the pros, watch them early on and see how they're going to progress. There's certain things that uh, will pop out right away. And then I have a question. So you, you lined up a receiver multiple <laughs> times, and you caught a couple touchdowns. Do you keep the balls? I do. I have four. Uh, okay. I caught four touchdowns as a tackle eligible playing the tight end position. Of course, you have to report. The, the official announces it over the loudspeaker, so it's not like I'm sneaking in at tight end. Uh, but, yeah, I got all four balls that I caught the touchdowns. That's awesome. Uh, Boomer Esiason threw all four. There was a company. I'm not sure if they still do it. There was a company up in Minnesota that you would send the ball up with all the, all the garb that you wanted written on it, and they would paint it and send oh, it cool. back. So, yeah, it has, like, the, you know, the score of the game, the That's opponent, cool. the touchdown number one, the date. So it has everything you want to know about the, 
you know, what team I caught them against and uh, what the date was and what the score of the game was. That's awesome. That's, that's sweet. I'm just glad they didn't put the average yard per catch because it would be like, I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know if I had at least that maybe it was like 1.2 yards per catch. So I'm yeah. glad they didn't put that on the football. At least uh, I'm glad they sent them back because it feels like they had a thing to be like, be like, oh, this company never existed. No, that's interesting. And then, so from all the accolades you achieved in your uh, careers, of Pro Bowls, awards, being named to all-time team, 75th anniversary to 100-year uh, NFL all-time team, which ones uh, kind of did it mean the most to you because you knew how much work you put in and how much dedication to hone your craft? Which one felt the yeah, – There's no question. You mentioned a bunch of them that are very significant, mean a lot. But I think that the two that are in, actually in my family room has to be – the first one I received was the uh, – at the time, it was called the NFL Man of the Year. Now it's the Walter Payton yeah. Man of the Year. And then uh, that's given by, through the NFL. And then another one I received, which is given – it's an NFL-sanctioned breakfast. But oh. Athletes in Action gives out their Bart Star Award. Oh, cool. So, I mean, two awards named after two amazing – not only football players, but yeah. individuals. Uh, those are probably the two awards because – not only does it take into consideration what you've accomplished on the field, but it's who you are off the field, what you've done in the community, what you've done with your family. And that's always been very important. So those two awards, uh, the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year and the Athletes in Action Bart Star Award are probably two of the, the most meaningful awards that I've received in my career. Were, were, did the Bengals do a lot in the communities early on in your career? Was it, it, it What kind of stuff were you guys doing? Yeah, we. I mean, Tuesday was always a day to go out in the community. That was something that they've always encouraged. Oh, cool. Excuse me, even now they encourage it. Um, you know, so, yeah, they, they select their, their man of the year for the season. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's great to see. They have a lot of events going on during the regular season. And, of course, uh, Cincinnati being home, I, I get to watch a lot of that in the news and what the guys are doing. Several of the players have their own foundation, so they're, they're, they're having an impact. And uh, not only are they doing great things on the field, but guys like Carlos Dunlap and, uh, and Michael Johnson, defensive lineman, and you know, a young man that was here that not only did an excellent job on the football field, but in the community, Andy Dalton, just uh, as good as you can be as an individual. Him and his wife were uh, very active in the community. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys that – uh, they get it done on the field with their families, but also give them back to the community. And speaking of that, so how did you come up with the concept for your foundation? Well, it's something that I always wanted to do, uh, but I wasn't going to do it during my playing days. I understand your name is uh, recognizable. You have leverage. You're relevant. But I was a husband, a father, and then I had to play to provide for my family. So if I wanted to start a foundation, I wasn't going to have the time to be totally engaged. And when I do things, I want to be totally engaged. So I helped other organizations. Uh, it wasn't until eight years after I retired, uh, both my kids went off to college and they were playing uh, college sports. And it was about their sophomore, junior years in college when I knew they'd be finished soon. And then I'd have to, yeah, I have some extra time. I wouldn't follow them around to watch their events and, and doing their thing. So it was in 2002 when I, eight years after I retired that I started the foundation. Uh, I knew what I wanted to do, who I wanted to, to get uh, as part of the team and really pretty much had the impact programs uh, set in place. So, yeah, it wasn't until uh, eight years after I retired that it started. That's awesome. That's incredible work you guys are doing. It's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate Absol it. Absolutely. And then so I have, I have one other question. Who's the best tackle in the league today, in your opinion? Wow. That's a great question. Uh, there's some good ones. Uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to see, say who the best one is. Uh, you know, if I say uh, uh, Smith of Dallas, people will say, well, you know, he's another USC guy. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm tired of hearing that. Uh, you know, is it Taylor Luan? It, uh, the Titans pretty good. Uh, you know, a couple guys have been hurt. Uh, you know, you look at – and I know their names are going to escape me right now. 
but uh, from Washington. Oh, just Trump, got Trump Williams, yeah. Yeah, he was one of them. So there's some good young ones. I mean, there's some good young ones. There's been some good young ones that have been drafted. So I'm excited to see how they pan out and how they do. But uh, I still enjoy watching the guys. And, you know, I, one of the first guys, as you – uh, just heard, I, I didn't mention a tackle, I mentioned the guard, and Quentin Nelson for the Colts. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's funny, a USC guy, give him props to a Notre Dame guy. <laughs> yeah. But no, he's, he's a heck of a player. But uh, I still enjoy it. And like you, meant, you mentioned to me earlier and asked me about, you know, how, how easy it to, to see guys. I love watching guys in college and then seeing the transition to the NFL to see, you know, how well they do in college and to see if that, if they carry over into the NFL and the, uh, if will they be tackles or will they move them to guards or will they, you know, so I always like to try to predict that to myself and say, okay, this guy's a pretty good tackle, but I see him as a guard. And uh, a lot of times that happens. I said, no, this guy's going to be a tackle. He's going to be a good one. So uh, that's always something that I enjoy doing and, and watching and trying to make predictions on that end. What were your thoughts on Makai Beckham from Louisville when he ran the 40 and he, <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's the thing. These guys, man, are, are like, they're nuts. And, uh, I, I, is it, who's the guy in uh, Wisconsin, was it Wisconsin who jumped out of the swimming pool? Oh, uh, oh, from from uh, Worfs. Is it Worfs? Yeah, Worfs. I mean, the guy's three plus, and he's underwater, and he jumps out of the water onto the ledge. I'm thinking, that's crazy. But, yeah, the 40 times for how big these guys are and how well they move, uh, very impressed with those individuals. So those are the guys that, uh, you know, I want to see how they do on the next level. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Running the 40 is great, but uh, can you uh, move laterally and stay in front of those fast 4-3, uh, 4-4 four, four, four defensive ends that are coming? So, uh, you know, they get your hand – if they get their hands on these other guys, they're going to, you know, they'll stabilize them. But, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this season getting rolling and hopefully see how they do. Definitely. And then, so we're talking Bengals, obviously the number one pick took Joe Burrow. How excited are you for this team for the future? You know what? Uh, not only that pick, but I think I look at the overall offseason, uh, all the free agents they signed. You know, hopefully they can come in and produce the way they're producing. But the fact that just about every free agent they sign has playoff experience. Yeah. Some that's been lacking here for several years. I mean, Andy Dalton got him to the playoffs quite a bit. Of course, the big knock is not winning a playoff game. But all these free agents, it starts with the free agents, bringing them in, playoff experience. Then you look at the draft pick. Six of the seven were team captains. You had one three-time team captain, uh, Higgins, the, the only guy that wasn't a team captain. He left Clemson early, and I've talked to an individual that knew his position coach very, very well and said if he comes back for a senior year, he's probably a captain. So, yeah, six of the seven, they were college captains, one three-time. I think three or four of the, the draft picks, their dads are high school coaches. So the, the, the culture to me seems like, man, we're getting leaders. We're getting guys that are captains, guys that have – playoff experience so they know what it means to get there so I'm excited uh, about what's going on you still got to get on the field and work together with young quarterback and come you know put it together and win football games but I like what's going on so far here definitely and then so what was it like hearing going to Canton just like the development uh, I've been in 22 years I still pinch myself you know it's a three-hour drive from Cincinnati Canton I was sad to, to see the announcement that it's being canceled this year because my wife and I drive up there every year. I'm up there every year. Like I said, I pinch myself. It is an honor and a privilege to be up there. I'm still like a kid being around all the guys. And, you know, I've seen a lot of guys come and go. Uh, that's the sad part about it. You know, you see guys that you get a chance to, to be around, the Merlin Olsons, uh, you know, the Bart Stars, the Deacon Jones, and those type of guys that, uh, you know, we lose. But, um, you know, Bobby Mitchell. and So it's um, – it's just an honor. I mean, it's very humbling to 
to know that I can put that uh, gold jacket on, that I could go up to, to Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame weekend and, uh, and be a teammate of all those guys. And as Deacon Jones would say, we are now in a team where you can't be traded, cut, or waived. You're on this team forever with those guys. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I got one last question for you. So with all the stuff that's been going on the past few months, what's the most exciting thing you've done or something you've been like, oh, I didn't think I would enjoy it that much? Oh, wow. You know, probably uh, doing what I'm doing here with you for an old guy learning all this technology, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, getting somewhere and talking with bullet points and uh, do you need PowerPoint? No, do you need uh, just saying, hey, all I need is a lapel pin or lapel mic. But now doing Zoom and doing, you know, all these, uh, I've been making videos and, uh, you know, so it's, uh, I guess during this period of time, it's just learning all the technology that I've been learning and, uh, you know, I guess uh, being an old dog and learning some new tricks. Yeah, I've, I've been on the phone with Verizon customer service helping my parents fix their cable like six times. So that's been helpful. So uh, I got uh, I got some young staff with my my businesses. And of course, my son and daughter are pretty young, and of course, we got some grandkids at uh, you know at eight, nine, ten. I can call them up, and they're like, "Oh, Poppy, here you go!" Boom, 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 boom. and I'm like, "Okay, thanks, thanks, guys." But no, it's been fun that way. Yeah, my my dad's like, if I'm gonna return something from Amazon. I'm like, if you didn't want it. Don't buy it. So it's fine. It's fine. And then so for people that want to find your foundation, how can they find it easily? Just go to MunozFoundation.org. Munoz, M-U-N-O-Z, Foundation.org. You can see everything we do from all our programs to how to donate financially. And if you're in the Cincinnati area, how to, you know, volunteer and help us out with the programs we do. So, again, that's MunozFoundation.org. Awesome, awesome. Well, this has been a ton of fun. I'm so glad I was able to get to you for a few minutes. I was so glad you were able to talk. Zach, thank you. Appreciate it. Great talking to you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.